0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Beautiful shift Podcast. I'm Lindsay, and I'm Chantel. We're so excited to share with you some inspiring stories. We hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid.
2: All right. Well, it's been a month since we released our trailer episode. So we wanted to just hop on for a couple minutes and say thanks so much to everyone who's been listening. It's been really fun to hear feedback from friends and family and listeners and just really cool to get these stories out there that we had recorded and just great stories to share. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's so kind of everybody to the ones that have reached out and just supported us. So thank you so much. And um, so, so far, all the episodes that we had released, we recorded back in like June. So I'm glad we got to get those out there and to share their stories with everyone. And it's just been fun to listen back because it's been a little while and they all have been so inspiring and uplifting in their own way. So again, just thanks for listening. And we really appreciate all the support. Yeah. So, uh,
2: if you're enjoying it, it would be really great and it can help us grow. If you could do a couple of things since we're just brand new and we're not influencers or anything. We're just two normal people trying to start a podcast. It would be awesome if you subscribed on the app that you listen to and just take a minute to leave a rating and a review that helps a ton. And then even, you know, if there's an episode that you really like or something, and you know of a friend or family member that might like it, consider just sharing it with them because I think that can help the podcast grow and just, yeah, kind of going to help us get the word out there. So, oh, and you can follow us on our social media accounts just to be up to date on the episodes we have coming out. So yes,
0: awesome yeah. Yep. One of the reasons why we wanted to do this like pre-intro thing was to um, make sure that you would listen to this because it's so important. So Jackie is our guest today and um, she just has an amazing story to share and a foundation that she has started. So Christmas is coming up and we know that everybody's always looking for ways to help. And she has a foundation called Christmas for Cancer Families. So a couple things. One, she needs, still needs a family to be nominated. So they don't have a family they've picked this year. And then two, there are so many different ways that we can help. Um, last year, my daughter and I helped her with um, a remodel that she did for a family that had a little boy with cancer, and it was amazing. I mean, they we kind of gutted the whole house, and the family had started a renovation but didn't wasn't able to finish it just with medical expenses. So people came in with donations of huge sums of money, donated cabinets and RC will, I think donated appliances. And there's just so many ways that people helped and it was just such an amazing experience. So we wanted to just give a little shout out to anybody that wants to help.
2: Right. And we wanted to make sure people know about the first half of the conversation with her. She talks more about her story with her son and it's super touching and just really inspiring and then she kind of goes into the foundation that she organized and everything and also just hoping that we this can help spread the word so we would love it if you even like shared about it on your you know with friends or family or whoever might want to get involved because it's a great way to get involved at christmas when we're all so busy and we all want to give back and help somehow but sometimes at least i know for me it's hard to even know like where do i start how do i even find something to get involved in so this is there i mean when chantille says You know, they nominate a family to do a big remodel, but they also do multiple sub for Santa families
0: as well. So there's lots of different ways you can get involved. I mean, if you have money to give, if you have a skill or just hands, you know, and a body Mm -hmm. that can lift and carry and move and you know, demolish whatever connections to any business. So there are just so many ways. Like when we were there, there was little tiny kids carrying things around and they were dusting and vacuuming or moving. There are just so many ways you can help. And that's what's so, that's why I think I love this foundation so much because it's not just money. Mm -hmm. It's like, which is needed to be able to do all these things for people, but you can also use, you know, your skills and your, um, your time, yeah, your time Mm -hmm. and your connections. If you have connections to people that are able to donate things for a home, but like um, Lindsay was saying, they do more than just the remodel they'll do you know, the sub for Santa, and then also vacations.
2: That's right, yeah.
0: For families, because that's really important to families, I think, when they're going through something hard to just be able to spend time together, so.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: I just think, yeah, we all have something to contribute. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know a lot of people want
2: to help. It's just like, how? So so this is a way that you can. So, yeah, help us spread the word for Jackie, and she's really actually trying to grow this organization as well. So we're just really happy that we
0: have kind of a platform to help her share about yeah, it. Yeah, because she wants to go beyond just cancer families, but mm-hmm. other families that are in need. So right,
2: yeah. So listen and and you're just gonna love her story to it. Yeah. So That's uh great. I mean it's yeah, there's a lot to it, but she's a really awesome
0: person. So yeah. So listen yep. to her awesome story and then hopefully you can yeah, get on her social media or her website. Mm-hmm. We provide that and and be able to help out this Christmas. So
2: Yep. Thanks. Thank you. All right, welcome to the Beautiful Shifts Podcast. Um, thanks so much for listening. And today we have Jackie Coley here with us. So Chantel is going to... Yes, hi Jackie. <laughs> Hello. She's going to introduce We're us. happy
0: to have you here. Yes. Okay, so Jackie works as a full-time designer who loves remodels and thrives when placed under pressure. Jackie started her own interior design business in 2012. Jackie has designed and executed many complete home remodel projects. Her current job is with Bear Lake Luxury Rentals and Sturdy Structures Construction Company and is centered around new home construction of luxury homes, but her heart beats faster when someone says the word remodel (laughs) and is especially if it has a tight deadline, which my whole house is always a step away from a remodel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I need to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jackie loves teaching and has taught group fitness for over 20 years. Jackie opened her own yoga studio in 2016. She is the founder and owner of a nonprofit organization called Christmas for Cancer Families, where her and her friends and family and many volunteers provide not only Christmas, but vacations and home makeovers for families struggling with the effects of cancer. Jackie is a wife of 32 years to her high school sweetheart and the mother to three incredible children. Jackie has a delightful son-in-law and the cutest grandson in the world. So welcome, Jackie. Yeah.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you. Um, So, did you want to share how we know each other? (laughs) Or I can share either (laughs) way. So,
3: I met Chantel officially uh, at a home makeover that we were doing. Uh, We did a complete home makeover for the Miller family last year, and... Chantil and her two kids showed up to help and I actually had met her many times before in my group fitness class but oh, because cool. yes I loved her yeah weight my weight class yeah. my nice. eyesight is so bad that I don't actually see the people in my class but um and then I officially got to talk to her and get to know her a little bit better when she was there volunteering to help us with that remodel yeah world. and it was
0: an awesome I mean it was a huge undertaking I think that was more than you'd done before in the past oh, this is yeah. like a, a makeover and an addition yes. to the home but it turned out amazing and it was really fun to be a part of it and my daughter loved being able to help with that so that's um great. yeah
2: that's really cool yeah
0: and I've yeah. always liked Jas- Jackie's classes and and then I, you mentioned it one day in class that that's what you did and so yeah. then I talked to you and got your information and came and helped with that house. So, so glad you did yeah because now yeah. it's no, been great so to get cool. to I'm it.
2: excited to hear more about that too so yeah really cool awesome. So, um, Jackie, is
3: there like a fun fact you could share with us to kind of help us get to know you better? Well, um, one thing that I think that is not typical of most 50 year old women (laughs) is the fact that I love to ride motorcycles. Um, (laughs) I did not grow up riding motorcycles, but probably four or five years ago I started riding. I actually, um, decided to purchase my husband, a motorcycle for, as a surprise for father's day. And so I rode on the back of his bike for a year and then he would be at work too often when I wanted to ride. And so I just decided that I needed my own bike and I ended up just being a natural at it. And it's kind of funny because, um, one of the things that my daughter used to tell me was that she never felt safe as a kid (laughs) And, and then recently for my job, we did some personality surveys for, it's called culture index. And I was surprised, but not surprised to find out that the title of my personality was actually daredevil. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And, And so all these things about me started to make sense. I only look forward. I, I move very fast. I easily offend people without knowing it. Oh. Your children typically don't feel safe with you. Oh, so it all start. It's all started to make sense. You're
2: a daredevil at heart. <laughs>
3: yes. Well, that a yeah. motorcycle and everything that sounds perfect. Then, so yeah, cool. yeah. So do you guys go like long bike yeah. trips and stuff? Yeah, we like to go on long trips, and then just even, you know, as the seasons change, we love to go see up in the mountains in different places. But yeah, we've been. To the Oregon coast and through the Redwoods and up into Montana and over Beartooth Pass. and Oh, wow. Oh, I bet that's so beautiful. Yeah. Up oh, into Canada. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. a cool way to
0: see it. Yeah. I've not ridden a lot of motorcycles. I haven't either.
2: It's but a blast. My
0: grandpa mm-hmm. growing up, though, had one. And then like Sunday family dinners, like he'd take the grandkids up to the canyon on a little ride, and oh, I loved yeah. it. So I do have fond memories of a motorcycle.
2: But yeah. yeah, my dad has some, and he'll take the kids just on little rides around the neighborhood. And yeah, my
3: but. my mom, who's 85, and can barely get around, like really wanted a ride on the motorcycle. So last year on my dad, my dad had passed away. So on his birthday, she actually talked me into taking her for a ride on my motorcycle, and when i bought a bike my dad was like jackie you have to promise me that you'll always wear riding boots and i was like okay dad <laughs> but i put my mom on the back of the bike with her flip-flops on oh, oh no. <laughs> and so i made a little video it was like happy birthday dad yeah. <laughs> and i showed my mom's feet oh, that's, oh, funny. that's cute he's probably <laughs> up there cussing <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, funny. that's
2: fun well thanks for sharing that yeah all
0: right maybe you could tell us a little bit about growing up and sure your kids where and you're
3: where from. you're from and yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up here in the Salt Lake Valley and we lived in the same home for 27 years in South Jordan. We raised our kids there and um, we have three kids. My daughter, Mallory, she's 29 and she's married to Chase. And they have my cute little grandson, Noah, who I adore. And then my son, Riley, who would be 26 right now. He actually passed away two years ago from cancer um and we miss him so much and then my boy levi who is almost 23 and he lives in lehigh and he owns his own business called invictus floor coatings oh that's right i remember that
0: i met your son levi and he helped us at the house yeah super nice kid fun to talk to yeah so yeah
3: that's pretty much us i i've taught group fitness all over the valley i was the group fitness director at the life center for years I've taught at VASA for 20 years and um, recently we've sought out change. We moved up north to be a little closer to my work and a little closer to my grandson and we're remodeling a a house. Good reason.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, maybe we'll kind of jump to going into your transition a bit now. So if you want to kind of tell us about maybe the time frame and what was going on in your life at the time when... Sure. and we have had a few transitions, but just kind of start wherever you want. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah. That, that was a tough question for me when I learned the name of your podcast and started to really think about what transition I would talk about. There were just so many. I think that all of us are constantly going through life transitions. Um, but I will talk about some bigger transitions for me. Um, in 2012... I decided that I should start my own interior design business. My primary focus up until that point had been teaching group fitness, but I was about 40, I think about that time, and my body was starting to give out and not happy with the fact that I was teaching 16 or 17 classes a week. Wow. Mm. And so, I lots of people all my life had told me you should just start your own design business, you know, cuz I had sold furniture for years and and uh, helped in that way for a long time but so I started my business and it took right off and I did that for a couple of years and then in 2013 my oldest daughter Mallory who was my best friend uh, decided to serve an LDS mission and so she left the country and went to Brazil and while she was gone my boy Riley who was 17 at the time he was a senior at Bingham High School he played uh, football and was the center for the team and he had just received a scholarship to play football at Dixie when he was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. And so um, I finished up the big design jobs that I had going, and then I basically had to stop teaching and stop working because we spent essentially a full year up at Primary Children's Hospital with him. Um, my husband had to be at work to provide and to to make sure we had the insurance, but um, Riley's treatments involved five nights at a time up at primaries and then a few nights home and then a couple nights there. So my primary focus really just had shifted from, I think um, women typically in their 40s are very concerned with their looks and their weight and their bodies and their homes and the cars they drive and how their kids or achieving. And, you know, I was wrapped up also in trying to figure out what career I wanted to have, but it was a massive shift for me when my child was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. Um, initially he was told that he had a 70% chance of survival. And so we started his chemotherapy and we scheduled surgery to remove a grapefruit-sized tumor that was in his back. Um, but as they did the scans just prior to the surgery, they recognized that there were actually four or five other tumors in his spine and in his pelvis. And so oh, wow. yeah, at, wow. at that time, they switched the prognosis and then gave him only a 30% chance to survive. And so um, he is an amazing kid. He was six foot two and about 250 pounds when he started treatment. And, um, that's why he was a center. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we just, he had intermittent pain in his back, you know, so we would take him to the doctor and get x-rays, but they didn't see anything. And oh, wow, we'd take him to the chiropractor and massages and things, but you just, you, you couldn't see the lump or anything. And also my daughter, Our daughter, when she was born, she was born with a rare bone disease. And so she had bony nodules all over her body. And so she had been up at at Shriners a lot, getting different surgeries and so forth growing up. And so I, when I felt like his rib cage was a little bit crooked and I pointed it out to the doctors, um, I wondered if maybe he had the same bone disorder that she did, but they said that he didn't. And then, you know, the doctors said, well, he, one doctor said he just has an asymmetrical rib cage. And anyway, we eventually ended up taking him to a urologist who thought he had kidney stones and did a CT scan. And that's how they found his cancer. So,
0: oh, wow. That's yeah. hard. That's, oh,
2: and it's crazy to think with that big of a tumor and that many that it was so hard to find, you know,
3: and, and yeah. with the symptoms, but, oh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's just, um, even with him having fought, you know, this started in 2014. So he fought for six and a half years and then he's been gone for two and a half years. Like you just, as a parent, you still just, um, think that you should have been able to save your child. And on good days, I'm able to talk myself out of climbing down that rabbit hole of the if-onlys and the what-ifs. And um, as parents, you know, we, we all just do the best that we can in life. And, and you know, it's surprising when your child gets diagnosed with cancer um, how many people come up and, and think that they have the cure or the solution. You know, mm-hmm. they... They tell you that your child should be on this sugar-free diet or that your child should be taking this supplement or that. And I just, I remember Riley was right on the cusp of turning 18 and becoming an adult. So during his treatment, it went from the doctors talking to me to the doctors talking to him. And so I would have to ask and bring up questions as a, a guest almost and... One time I asked his his doctor if it would be a good idea for him to not eat sugar because I felt so pressured from the people around me saying that. And when I did say that, the doctor looked at me like I was the biggest jerk in the world. And he said, of course, it would be a good idea for him to not eat sugar. It would be a good idea for all of us to not eat sugar.
2: Mm. That's hard though, because you're getting this pressure to ask, and you probably think, Oh, if I don't ask, am I being a bad parent? Yeah. But, yeah. I, oh, and I think so it's much.
0: hard. We all, well, my therapist told me this, um mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, we have our past self and our present self and our future self, and we have to give our past self some grace. Like, you know, when yeah. you say, What could I have done? What could I have changed? What if I would have done this first and that? And it's so hard to not think that way. I think that's yeah. super normal. And I mean, I had this, I mean, my son got diagnosed with meningitis just a few days old, which caused hydrocephalus, which led us to be in the hospital for a couple months when he was a baby. And then now we still do with his yeah. shunts being replaced and seizures. And of course it's like, well, what if we would have done this? What if we would have gone to the doctor sooner? What if, you know, like he didn't really eat before and they were like, oh, he'll eat when he's ready. But instead, why yeah. wasn't that a red flag? You know, like, mm-hmm. and should we, if we were, we were at Utah Valley Hospital and looking back now, we should have taken him to primaries right away. Yeah. But same thing, like it's so hard because in hindsight, it makes so much sense. And you can see clearly like maybe this or maybe that, For sure. but it's so hard. And then to, you know, I don't know.
2: That's so right. hard. Yeah. Cause once, when you know the diagnosis and know what was going on, then of course you, you can say, Oh yeah, I could go back and do this and this and this, but we just don't have those answers at the time. And. But I can't imagine how hard that would be. So, oh.
0: Yeah. And when you mentioned earlier about like all the things that seemed important at the time when something like this happens, all those yeah. things mean yeah. nothing anymore. Right. It's all about, you know, Riley and your family and trying to like the, get him, yeah, the right doctors and the right treatment. So he, he how many years did you say he fought it? So
3: during that first year, we did chemotherapy for a year. Um, they did surgery after three months of chemo because they, I always thought they would take the tumor out right away they leave the tumor in and do chemo so that they can see if the chemo is working so they could see that the tumor was shrinking um, and then they surgically removed the tumor and then they did radiation to those spots on his spine and in his pelvis that they couldn't surgically get to Um, and so when we when he left the hospital And rang the bell after that, you know, 11 months, he, he had gained a, first he lost a bunch of weight and then he gained a bunch of weight from the steroids and everything. And they told him that he had a, there was a 70% chance that his cancer would come back within two years and that if it did, it would come back to his lungs. And that at that point there would be, you know, there's not a lot of treatments left because... There's not a lot of funding for childhood cancer, and so there's not a lot of treatments available. Yeah, it's mm. crazy. They had, yeah. for Ewing sarcoma, there's one full proof, like we know this works, and then there's like a second one that sometimes this works. And other than that, it's just trials and, and different things. So Riley was the type of person that uh, when we left the hospital that day, he literally went home, changed his clothes, and went to the gym. And he'd, he did not, he was determined that he was going to live. He had a job um, working as the manager at the Nike in Jordan Landing. And that was a blessing because he had so many friends and such a big support system. And he lost 100 pounds and got super muscular and fit and moved out with his friends and bought himself a nice truck and was doing great. And then on his 21st birthday, he came over and, and he's like, I think I have pneumonia and he was coughing and stuff. And I, Oh, I bet your fear uh, and your heart just sunk in the back of my mind. I'm like cancer, but in the forefront of my mind, I'm like, let's get you to the doctor. Let's get you some medicine. Mm -hmm. And so, but what happened for me during that time was during that year at the hospital with him, you know, sitting in the waiting room, sit, sleeping at the hospital, all of that time, I actually thought to myself, I will never allow myself to become so busy that I don't have time for what's important. I will never. Hmm. And then the minute Riley got better, within months, you, you have to recreate your life again. And I think we as humans, my theory is that we don't like to feel. And when we're quiet and still or alone, we have to feel. And so we keep ourselves busy and we keep ourselves distracted. And so within a matter of months, I was right back to being super busy. So during that time, I actually continued to do some design work. I continued to teach my group fitness classes. I was being the group fitness manager at the Life Center at the time. And then, um, I also decided to open a yoga studio. And so I started thinking about that. Um, on Riley's 21st birthday, we took him to the doctor and, and sure enough, the, the cancer had come back to his lungs, just like they said it would. And, um, that was in 2017. And so... During this, again, I quit everything and devoted my time. He moved back home. We, we have this joke up at primaries on the fourth floor is the oncology center. And every time without fail that we had would get bad news, we always were taken to room five. Oh. Mm. And so we hated room five. Yeah, oh. But um, they took us to room five that day. And, and when the doctor walked out, he was like, mom, I'm going to need to, I'm going to want to move back home. And I was like, yeah, sure. You're welcome to. So, again, I dropped everything in my life and devoted that time to my son. This time it was a lot more real and a lot more scary because the chances were now like 10% of him surviving. So that's when I really decided to um, open the yoga studio Um, because I I started to realize during that time in my life, as you can imagine, like, Dealing with the anxiety of that and stuff. Uh, It was very stressful. And I've never really been a huge fan of medications and things like that. Um, And I'm very familiar with my body because I've taught group fitness. And so I started to learn about mindfulness. And I started... I I already taught yoga. But I started to learn more about the mindfulness aspect of yoga. And what I realized that a a good portion of people walk around on this earth in their head. They're not even present really in their bodies. And and through the study of the chakras and the yamas and niyamas and breath work and yoga, um, I started to realize that I was gonna be able to handle what life presented to me better using these methods. And then we gutted our basement and Turned it into a yoga studio and Riley's bedroom happened to be right next to the yoga studio. So when he would be in there, he, he could hear whether, wherever he was at in the house. You know, he was always not feeling well. So I would teach these workshops and I would teach the shockers and things and Riley would learn about them. And I actually believe that it helped him on his journey preparing to, to go to the next life. Um, but yeah, hmm.
0: yeah, that's really cool. And it's crazy. Cause when you're talking about like keeping ourselves built, busy, not to feel like, I totally understand that, but also like finding a balance. So you're not just sitting in your head all the yeah. time. And it sounds like the yoga studio is like a perfect balance of like healing for you, yeah. a healing for him and a way to like, you know, all that other stuff you put to, to the side, but you were doing something that helped. Yeah, just with like yeah the mindfulness and the mental and physical.
3: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that yoga teaches us is surrender. Like, in a lot of the meditations, it has you. Well, one of my favorite ones that I like to walk people through is like I have them imagine that they're standing in the the middle of a really busy like carnival, and there's a billion distractions and smells and sights and sounds. And then I have them feel their feet touching the earth as they walk toward a fence. Because they you can see a gap between the Ferris wheel and the popcorn machine. And there's a pasture and there's some big trees out beyond. And I have them walk with me and feel what that feels like. And notice the smells and sounds start to become behind them. And then they see this chair sitting up ahead in the... In the uh, trees and and they I have them sit down in that chair and there's a stream passing by and in that stream there's a lot of leaves from the trees falling into the water and I have them follow the leaves with their eyes moving from the left side of their awareness to the right side of their awareness and and I have them notice that we're not going to jump into the river to to grab the leaves or gather the leaves up and those leaves represent our thoughts and I just feel like when When you are faced with something like knowing that you are going to lose your child. I mean, I'm sure that it's very hard to lose anyone in your life. But a parent just isn't ever prepared to hear that they're going to lose a child. And I don't know, part of me still thinks I must be in shock or something. But when you've had to surrender and let go and trust God... In giving up a child I feel like you can pretty much surrender anything in your life and you really start to understand what's important and I mean so I mean like for instance I have a brand new car and my husband has backed into it and dropped the motorcycle on it like he's (laughs) dented my car twice now (laughs) and it's like our natural human reaction is to want to freak out mm-hmm. and be really upset. But it's like, I take a deep breath and I'm like, it's just a car. And I yeah. walk in the house like, and all the time I'll tell people like my, my new motorcycle, I actually bought it on Riley's birthday last year as a gift to myself from him. Oh, cool! And, um, I always offer to let people ride it and they're like, I'm not riding your motorcycle. I can't afford to replace that. I'm like, it's just a motorcycle. Like anything i offer to somebody i i i've already decided in my mind that i'm going to be okay without it and the only thing i think that i haven't prepared myself to let go of is this diamond necklace and it's because riley gave me this diamond necklace right before he passed away and Aww. i think if i lost this i would have a really big struggle but anyway yeah, yeah. Surrender It holds a lot of meaning yeah, compared to sure. you know a
0: car. I mean, a motorcycle mm-hmm. does a little bit because yeah. he got out on his birthday. But
3: I think that as we talk about shifting, life shifts. I think it's one of the most important things we have to do is learn that the technique of surrender. And mm-hmm. there's actually a really great book. I don't remember the author's name, but it's called Letting Go. And I've listened to it multiple times, and um, it, it's a really great tool in assisting with learning to let go and to move through life. With.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, one of our guests mentioned, um, man search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. Oh, right. And I just, um, it's weird. I don't know why I've never read it. Cause I've read so many Holocaust survivor books. I don't know how I missed this one, but it's a lot about that. Like mainly surrendering control that we just don't have the control. And the only thing we have control over is, how we react, and you know, and what we do with our emotions, or what we do with the situation—we can't control the situation. Right. And it's been super helpful to me. That's a sure. good
3: book. Yeah. yeah. Riley actually read that book while oh, he does. was sick. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a book everybody should read. It's—I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to read it. I'm a, I know. Yeah, a big reader, but
2: yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I've heard the story, but I need to actually. Yeah. Read it. Listen to it. Read it.
0: But the other one you said mm. was Letting Go. Yeah. I think
2: I've heard of that one too. So we'll have to look that yeah. up and we can and put the, it on the notes.
3: Along the with Man's Search for Meaning, like yeah. you mm-hmm. mentioned, there's also one called The Choice and The Hiding Place. Oh, They're The Hiding kind of Place. Uh, I have read The Hiding those Place those and it was same. kind of the same Yeah, yeah.
0: back during the Holocaust. Mm. So
2: That's so cool. This <laughs> makes me want to get into yoga more. I'm Honestly. I'm saying. like...
0: Oh. I've kind of been so, well as people are like... Oh that's just not for me. I need like my heart rate up and I need to like burn and I need to feel it. That's what I, I, that's how I was. But I feel like it might. Yeah.
2: I've done some hot yoga, but I feel like it's different because I'm not getting those mindfulness strategies in hot yoga. I like it because it pushes you Mm -hmm. and I feel like it helps my flexibility and stuff. But I
3: really love just what you're saying. I'm like,
2: I want to take a yoga (laughs) class for me.
3: I know (laughs) you sound amazing. It's funny because I teach group uh, fitness and I'm like, Daredevil, you know, I'm. And she's, she's super, super A. strong. Really? Like, I was like, oh, look at my weight compared to her as well. <laughs> well. It's okay. She's the
0: instructor. She's supposed to be stronger. Right. <laughs> I know.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of my reputation at the gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when people know that I learn that I teach yoga, I, I'm sure in their mind they're like, you know what that doesn't yeah how's this what's this class gonna be like yeah and in the beginning that's how I taught yoga was like three push-ups in between every chaturanga and down dog you know Mm -hmm. but now it's more of a restorative and really Mm. I say yoga and you don't break a sweat like you could do the whole class just laying on your back if you wanted and I feel like I feel like one of the gifts that I was given during the time that Riley died was and it sounds probably hokey but when I step onto my yoga mat it's almost like this magical portal I feel like my crown chakra opens and I feel like inspiration just pours in through the crown of my head I feel like I become connected to the earth and I start to realize the value of breath and I have the class 2 exercises where we Draw the breath in, and as we circle our hips and, and you know, move our body in circular motions, I encourage them to create space inside their bodies to for their spirits to be big because I think we snuff out our spirits and we start to function solely from our heads and we forget that there's actually a person inside of us, you know, especially moms. It's like we. Our whole lives are centered around our children and what vacation does do my kids want to go on and what do my kids want to eat and what's their favorite ice cream and what's their favorite color. And then I bet if I asked you, you know, what's your favorite candy? You could tell me all of your kids' favorite candy, but you probably have no idea what yours is. Right. And so as I was doing this, I was doing this, uh, I made my family go to Disneyland because I hate Disneyland. <laughs> but I was like, listen, guys. And actually my youngest boy Levi was on his mission to Honduras serving for the LDS church and Riley was super sick and um Mallory my daughter had just told us she was pregnant and so I invited them all to go to Disneyland for Christmas and I said but I'm inviting my inner child and <laughs> she's going to determine what we're doing on this trip yeah <laughs> That's awesome. so um and then when we got there one of my one of my predetermined goals was to go in and choose a set of mini mouse ears hmm. and i'm i can make decisions all day for other people like million dollar houses like not a problem but you ask me to choose what color mini ears i want for myself <laughs> <That was> difficult <laughs> and i need someone else's opinion yeah and it's like so so it was funny because i was like i'm gonna go ride the teacups who wants to come and riley my big 21 year old at the time with a big long beard and a bald head rode the teacups with me nice. and then we were going to go get my ears. Well, my husband in the meantime went and bought me a set of mini ears and thought he would be all cute and surprise him, me with them. And so he handed me this sack and I'm like, what is this? And he goes, I got used to mini ears. And I was like, no, I can't look at these. I don't want to know what's in here because they'll. I don't want it to influence the mini ears I'm going to choose for myself.
2: <laughs> you need to choose them yourself.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so dumb. That's
2: the point of the inner child, right?
3: But I like that. It was a good exercise because yeah. it made me realize how I really didn't... It sounds so dumb, but I really didn't realize there was someone inside of me.
0: Mm, and yeah. I didn't
3: take care of her at it's all. It's super
0: easy as a mother to do that. Yeah. yeah. Your whole focus is your kids and... They're, they're everything so yeah. you just mm-hmm. don't even yeah,
2: yeah your needs to go on the and your wants and needs for sure and you know we we don't really want it any I mean we want to serve our kids and they're so
3: important but I think that's such a important thing to remember is yeah and now I've taught my kids all this my especially my boys my daughter was moved out but my younger boy Levi I would send him my chakra workshop lessons while he was on his mission. and <laughs> He loved them. Oh, he studied them. He still loves it. And he loves yoga. And um, he came home and he said to me, like, you said, the yamas and niyamas is another amazing, it's like a psychology book, but it's super simple. And one of the things he said was, mom, don't ever invite me on a family vacation again if you're planning it for everyone else. He's like, if you want to invite me on a vacation that you've planned for you and you know what you want to do, you can invite me because I'm sure it will be fun. But when you do family vacations, trying to make everyone else happy, they turn into a nightmare.
2: Mm. Because you're trying to fit in everyone's wants and needs. Yeah, Yeah. it's so hard. That's a good point. You plan it. If it's your vacation and you invite them, like...
3: This is what used to happen. Like I would plan a vacation that I was trying to please three different, four different personalities Mm. and try to please my husband and by the end of the first day I was a complete basket case no one was having a good time and so then I would go get drunk and pass <laughs> out and the whole family would end up taking care of mom oh yeah and whether it's alcohol or food or whatever, whatever your checkout your, is yeah. yeah it's like if mom's a complete stress case nobody's having fun yeah so you might as well plan what you want to do and yeah and have them come your yes. kids will have a great time right right so well it is hard
2: when you're trying to balance the wants and needs of everyone (laughs) that's a lot of pressure to put on
3: all of ourselves so but anyway so after uh riley's cancer came back in 2017 and then in the fall of 2019 was when he got really bad and one of the things he requested was a he wanted to have a life celebration party and at first I was hesitant to do it. Like I didn't want it to just turn into this giant drinking fest. And, you know, because we had such, I felt like little time with him. I wanted it to be quality and good time, but I let him plan it and I let him decide what it was going to be. And then I just helped him with it. And he, he ended up having over a thousand people come oh, to wow. that. And it was the best thing we could have ever done because I can't imagine because I haven't faced death myself. But here, you know, I think the hardest and most confusing ages of our lives are right after we graduate from high school. So he's going to graduate and he gets diagnosed with cancer. And then in those confusing years when he's trying to decide what to do with his life, he doesn't even know if he's going to live. And so he went through different phases where he didn't believe in god or he hated god or whatever and when i think having that life celebration party he saw all these people come and he saw how he had touched each of their lives and he was so sick that morning he was laying in bed crying and he was like mom i don't think i'm gonna even make it i think i'm gonna die today like i i don't even think i can go and i and i there were like three or four times during his sickness when he asked me to pray for him and it i believe that a mother's prayers are the probably the most powerful prayers on the earth because i would kneel by his bedside or sit on his bed and just put my hand on his leg and pray for him and i i just saw miracles happen but He got up and he went and stood there with his oxygen machine and greeted every single person. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because it's like, you think these people should be coming to give him energy because you know, everyone we're with, it's an energy exchange, but I watched him be the healer and the energy giver to all of these people that were coming because they were watching a young person die. And I mean... A lot, some people don't even want to come or face that because they don't know what to do with it. And he was there to hold that space for them. And so it was really cool to watch that. And um, we played we played the video there. So he got to see the video that that we played at his funeral. And he was able to tell us what he wanted at his funeral. and and then in on January fifth um, of 2020, he he was just such a strong big guy that i think he could have lived longer on his oxygen cuz he, he was just in bed on oxygen but his cancer had wrapped itself around his esophagus and filled his lungs and so he was struggling to breathe and and i'll tell you like some of the conversations that we had during the time that he was sick were like in the beginning you like I would avoid saying things that I thought would hurt his feelings or offend him. And I I soon realized that wasn't going to work. Like I I don't struggle I, I'll say pretty much whatever's on my mind. It's just my personality. But I think that I think that a person who holds back information or holds back saying things because they don't want to hurt s- someone's feelings would really struggle being a parent to a child with cancer because like for instance, he had done every treatment, every trial, every he had suffered and suffered and suffered, he had done radiation, and you know just it was just relentless, and we were driving up to huntsman or yeah huntsman one day, and I had this impression come over me as we were driving, and we got into his appointment, we were waiting for the doctor and I said. I said, Rye, this this is the hardest thing I will ever say to you, and I'm scared to even say it to you because I'm afraid it's going to hurt your feelings. I'm afraid that what I have to say is going to make you think that I don't love you and that I don't care if you're here. But I just feel strongly that I need to tell you that it's okay if you don't want to do any more treatment because... Your family has watched you suffer and fight your ass off for so long. And if you want to keep fighting, we will support you. But if you're ready to go, please don't feel like you have to do this treatment for us. And my big, strong son that was a foot taller than me burst into tears and he said, Mom, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. And when the doctor came in, he said, I don't want to do any more treatment and we left and I just I'm I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to recall these these moments because you know I think sometimes we question if God is really there and as I look back over that journey with Riley I'm able to remember so many times when I would sit with him and and I would just silently say God I don't have the words I don't know what to say I don't know what he needs, and I would just listen and breathe and god would just put words in my mouth to be able to talk to riley and so thank you thank you for this opportunity to to share this <sighs> thank you i'm like so thanks struggling for sharing yeah.
2: words even. <laughs> but um yeah that's really beautiful and a good lesson i mean so many good
0: lessons that you're sharing with us so yeah yeah <laughs> and i it's crazy because i but like, in your classes, I'd get little glimpses of who Riley was. And it, it's nice to, like, get to know him a little bit through you and the kind of person he was. And, you know, I didn't know if he, like, was big or small. And yeah. so um, it's great to hear about the awesome kid he was and, and it just your support for him. Like, that would be so hard to say because in some ways, you'd want to tell him to keep fighting for mm-hmm. you almost selfishly because you didn't want to not have him here, but at the same time not wanting to see him suffer. Yeah. So... You know, giving him that permission is like the, huge and hard all at once.
3: His oncologist that we had in the beginning told me, because they're the, the oncologist for these little kids, and she said it's actually a blessing that he can speak for himself because he can make these decisions for himself. She said because there are so many parents that will just subject their little children to treatment, and the treatment ultimately kills them. Mm. And they just suffer worse And so I remembered that, but yeah, um, I think, I think that Riley was extremely wise and he knew, I think he knew what was coming because he, he asked us on, on the 5th of January to turn off the oxygen and said that he was ready to go home. He said that he had, he had felt the love of Jesus Christ, which was unusual coming from him because he had kind of just pushed anything of a spiritual nature aside for a long time until the end of his life and he also said that he had met his grandpa my husband's dad had come to him and told him that they were he was ready for him to come home oh wow and so he you know that experience for him and then combined with his life celebration he was ready to go and so we had hospice come and they they helped him pass peacefully to the other side. Um, I feel like Riley's sitting right here with us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Uh... <laughs> he likes to hang out on my right side right here. <laughs> um, but I was so grateful that Riley chose that because it was only just a couple weeks later that all that COVID nonsense went oh. on and then the political unrest and all that stuff happened. And if, if he would have chosen to, to hang on, we wouldn't have been able to have a funeral for him and his funeral Mm. was a big blessing for, uh, I just was so grateful. We we were able to have that tribute for him. But, Mm. um, and then again, I found myself, you know, puzzle piecing my life back together. And so after he passed away, I really thought that what I wanted to do was have a slower pace and stay true to my commitment that I wasn't going to let myself get busy again. And it was just, it's been very interesting. Um, and again, I just, I feel deeply grateful and humble and for your invitation to do this podcast. I think it has helped me more than it would help anyone else, but it's just really helped me to reflect and look back at God's hand in my life because I, after Riley passed away, um, started to remodel my own home just while I was home with COVID and was successful in remodeling the whole interior and exterior of our home. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school and become a, a therapist. And so I I just did the online school. But I, but then God just kept plopping ginormous design jobs in my lap. And I was like, no, I don't want to be busy. I don't want to have this, this work. work. Um, he put a great big ten thousand square foot house remodel in my lap, and I learned so much there. And I'm so grateful for that. And then, right when I finished that, uh, we met this is what I really wanted to talk about. I need to hurry. Yeah. But you're <laughs> oh, <you're great. laughs> while Riley was dying when in 2017, when he, we found out he was terminal holidays, especially Christmas become super difficult to celebrate with your family. I mean, you can imagine trying to figure out what to give him for Christmas and then if what to give your other kids. And it's just really pointless and meaningless at that point. And so I, I, I met a gal uh, named Danny Madsen while I was getting my hair done, and she was terminal. She had brain cancer. So I started asking her a lot of questions that I wanted to ask Riley but didn't dare at the time, and her and I became good friends, and we exchanged numbers, and we went to lunch, and she had told me that she would love to take her family somewhere for Christmas, but they they couldn't go very far away, and so... I said, well, I have, my family has a cabin at Bear Lake. Would you want to go there? And she was like, oh, that'd be perfect. And I was like, well, you're more than welcome to use it. And so as I drove home that day, I thought, you know what? I'm not just going to send her to the cabin. I'm going to like do Christmas for her family. And so just in my drive from like Lehigh to South Jordan, I had already called probably 10 people and were like, do you want to help me with this? Do you want to do this with me? And it just spread like wildfire. And so we put together Christmas for all of her family members. We had stockings and we decorated a tree. We filled the fridge with food. We put games under the tree for the family and got gift certificates for meals and different things. And so when they showed up there, that was just this massive surprise. And, and Riley worked at Nike at that time. So he was like, Mom, if you'll make me an advertisement poster, I'll put it up in the break room. And I'll get all of my employees to donate. And so we ended up giving all of them some Nike shoes and a Nike outfit. And um, after doing that for them, we we loved it so much that we did it every year. And, and while Riley was alive, we continued with the Nike tradition and Nike would chip in. And um, so the first year we did the one family, the next year we ended up doing two families. And then the next year it was three and four and five. And so the year that... Riley passed away in 2020. So that next December, as I was going around and asked what I'll do is when somebody tells me of a family in need that has somebody in the family with cancer, I will go visit them at their house. And because of the the access that I have to like flooring and, and paint and cabinets and all of the stuff in the design world, I look around and see what they might need. And when I went to visit this this one family in particular, they had nine children and a little boy named Eli that was terminal. And it was evident that they lived in such a small space and they didn't even have room to put everything away. Um, And so it, it would have been impossible just to give them furniture or replace the flooring because everything needed to be moved out and organized and everything like that. And so I was lucky enough to partner up with a friend of mine named Lexi Walbeck. Her and her husband, Parker, have a a nonprofit called um, Uplift Mission. And it was their first year. And what they wanted to do, because Parker is a videographer, they wanted to do a home makeover for somebody and videotape the whole before and after process. So we kind of teamed up. And we went in and we moved that family out into a rental and we brought in pods and organizer professionals. And anyway, in within a three week period of time, we completely gutted that house, remodeled the whole thing and refurnished it with basically every single thing in that home was brand new. And it was miraculous. Wow. That's awesome. And and so I was like, oh, wow. OK, that that was super fun we need to do that again next year, but maybe on a smaller scale. (laughs) And so then the next year rolled around and I had six families that we had committed to doing Christmas for, but still I hadn't come across an opportunity for a remodel. And Lexi and her husband had actually moved to St. George. And so now I was kind of on my own to do that. And then I met this family named uh, the Millers and, uh, they had started a remodel and an addition on their house. And when I went in, I was like, I thought from the outside, I'm like, oh, this will be easy because they've already started. But when we got in there, I realized it was yeah. like three times more work than yeah, last year. A lot of work. And anyway, I, I feel like, you know, we've been on here for too long, but so many cool things I could tell you. Like, um, so I went in and I knocked on this door and the lady didn't know uh, that I was coming. And I said, I know you don't know me, but my name is Jackie. I have a nonprofit called Christmas for Cancer Families. This is what we do. Can I talk to you? And she said, yeah, come in and sit down. And she had just gotten home with her little boy, Timmy, who has leukemia from a 21-day stay at the hospital. So her husband had been taking care of the house, and
2: Hmm.
3: they only had like two functioning bedrooms because their house was torn apart. And, And so I sat down with her, and I said, listen... I have no idea what I'm gonna be, what I'll be able to do for you. Right now, it's just me and whatever volunteers I can drum up. But I like to think big, and I believe in miracles. And I'd like to try and finish this remodel for you. Which sounded which month was that? Insane. That it's, was in.
0: It was work. that was in October. Okay, yeah. Because oh, wow. I was gonna say like it was so much work, but it was you October. got it. Yeah, that was.
3: And so. <laughs> I let, I said, so I said at the very least, I'd like to provide Christmas for your family. But at the very most, I'm asking you to consider moving out of your house and letting me bring in a team to finish gutting and remodeling this. And just, will you please talk to your husband and let me know? And she said, yes, I'll talk to him. And so I drove, as I drove away, I thought to myself, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Jackie, you don't have to do this. Like you, you can take care of yourself. Like your family. You could have a Christmas party for your family. You could maybe even buy them presents. (laughs) And I was like, I can't, I can't have the resources, the know-how and the capability to change someone's life and not do it. I can't. And so then I called Lexi and I was like, Hey, Lexi, have you thought about whether or not you want to help this year? And she's like, actually the, the, the family we had planned to help, it fell through and we do want to help you this year. And she was pregnant. And in St. George. Mm. And then um, Dan Paniagua, who had helped us the year before I talked to him, and he wanted to be involved. And so, and it's crazy, too, because I went to lunch with a friend that day who's highly organized, very detailed, you know. And and she was like, well, what's your protocol? What's your, I don't even know what to call these. Like, (laughs) what's the detail, the process? She's like, you don't have any processes. Your website doesn't make any sense. And I was like... I'm just looking at her like, oh, I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> and I drove home in tears. And then I got a text and I look at it and it was this lady named Jill Duncan. And she's like, hey, would you mind if, if I turn your Christmas for Cancer Families into a URL so I can have all the people in my dental office donate? And I was like, like Go okay, it. God, I get it. <laughs> I get it. That's why we do this. And then I drove to Bear Lake that night or to Logan to tend my grandson and I got a call from a lady named Leslie, Leslie Woodmansey, and she said, I drove past the Miller's house today. I live by them. And I stopped and asked them if, if my company could help them finish their remodel, because we like to donate to a charity oh, for, wow. for Christmas. Hmm. And she told me that you had already stopped yesterday, and, and uh, she gave me your number. And I was like, okay, great. What do you do? What do you want to do? And she's like, well, the, the thing is, is we all just want to donate money, but we don't have time. And I said, "Well, that's fantastic we need because money. I have m- time. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have money. money. Yeah." And so, I, she, I told her that Lexi and Parker were donating fifty thousand, so they matched that fifty thousand. So we now had a budget of hundred thousand dollars. Wow! But then um, we got donations upwards of like up to like four or four hundred fifty. Th- that remodel would have cost easily four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like, I can't name everybody that donated, but just off the top of my head, um, Unique Exteriors, we contacted them. They donated at least $70,000 because they did all the whole exterior, the soffit and fascia, the rain gutter. Uh, They painted the exterior. R.C. Willie donated all new appliances. Um, My cabinet guy came in and did the work at cost and donated some of the goods. Uh, Ogden's Flooring donated half the flooring costs. There were construction companies that donated the the drywall and the framing costs. I mean, just insane. and like me and Lexi would talk every night and we'd be like, "Okay, what do we need and And she's like, "I think we need finished carpenters." FJP suppliers over in west oh, Jordan, yeah. they do- they donated all of the base, which at that time last year, you oh, could looks, not get base yeah. and and they donated it, and they donated I think they donated all the doors. I can't remember. And, and so anyway, I would do videos on my Instagram every day of the progress. And Lexi and I were talking and she said, I think we need more finished carpenters because we were on this super tight deadline. We were trying to get this done before Christmas. And I don't think we ended up doing it in 47 days. So we didn't finish till like January 8th or something. But, um, I was like, yeah, let me think on that. We do need more finished carpenters. And just then I'm not even kidding you. My phone text dinged. And so I looked at my phone and, and I didn't look at who the text was from, but the, the first line of the text read, do you, do you need finished carpenters? And I was like, what? So I look at it and it says Scott Livingston, which is one of the contractors I work for at Bear Lake. And I opened up my text and I said, did you bug my phone? Are you under my bed? Like, where (laughs) are you you? And I said, how did you know we needed finished carpenters? And he goes, well, I watched your video on Instagram. And I saw a stack of doors. Do you need them hung? And I was like, yes. And so like he brought a whole bunch of guys um, to the house and spent all of Christmas Eve. He came back and I didn't even learn this until about a month ago. He told me that he went back all by himself the day after Christmas and finished doing some stuff that I don't, I just didn't realize it hadn't been done. And he said that um, he had never met Riley But he just told me this, that he said, when I spent that day there at that house by myself, he said, I wasn't there by myself. And after getting to know your husband and your boy Levi, I'm positive that it was Riley there that day with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's there.
0: So I didn't realize that's really cool that he was part of this kind of how it started. So Riley was part of it, got to be part of it first. Yeah, And then you continue to after he passed. And then... I can just say, like, when we would go and help, like, it was awesome. I mean, so many people were there. There were people that had no skills like me. (laughs) I'm like, I have two hands, so tell me what to do. I mean, what's funny is my daughter and her boyfriend came, and we were like, wow, that was some of the most, like, physical labor we have done because we were breaking up tile and, like, putting in buckets and then taking the buckets outside and dumping them in the um, big dumpster. And, like, but then there would be little kids there just carrying whatever they could carry. And it was just like a such a good feeling like people coming together to help this family that none of us knew, like we didn't know them. We just knew we wanted to help them. And then, you know, and then when it, we helped, when it was closer to being finished, it just turned out so beautiful. And it was such a like welcoming, like, and I think there was detail to each child and what they might want in their bedroom or their home. And it wasn't, you know, it was just, it, it's it was awesome. It turned it out amazing. Cool and just, yeah, all those people that came together. Cause it was a huge addition and a hu- it was pretty much remodeling. Every single thing yeah. plus the addition. We
3: gutted the existing, the original part of the home, which it was built. Yeah, the brand new back bathroom, the brand new kitchen, brand new. Yeah. And then they had they had tried to add on in the to the back of it and and above it, which had never gone past the concrete walls. And so it was basically. I mean, we had the we had the frame,
0: you had the main structure, the but you shell, pretty much did the whole.
3: But yeah. yeah, we we did all the rest. I mean, an HVAC company came in and donated all the HVAC. It was That's amazing. It was insane. Yeah, you
0: know, I would say yeah if anyone listening that wants yeah. a cool project. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you know your family yet this year?
3: We don't. And so okay. that that's the, it seems crazy to some people. And I know that a lot of people that have nonprofits, you know, they have nomination processes and they have all these, you know, very particular processes like make a wish and it's awesome. But I, my, I just don't work like that. Like I just kneel down and pray. And I ask God to please place people in my path that need the help and sometimes it doesn't happen until the last minute and like it's so cool to be me because it's like everyone's like how do you do all this aren't you stressed out and i'm like no this is a blast <laughs> and you're like yeah. and everything just kind of kind of comes together with the well, last one i mean yeah because like what will happen is i'll start out with two or three families and i'll start out with a handful of volunteers but then as we get closer to christmas Somebody will call me and say, my family wants to do a sub for Santa for Christmas. Do you know of one? And I'll say, I don't, but give me a day or two. Without a doubt, somebody will call me and say, I have a family that needs help for Christmas. And so then I connect those two. And then it just goes back and forth like this hmm, ping pong yeah. ball all the way up till Christmas.
2: Chantil might know more of this, but I'm just getting to know you. So you do the remodel. But you also do stuff for Santa families, yeah. Of different families with can- kids with cancer or an- anyone, anyone with cancer. Yeah, any family suffering. Oh, that's the so cool. So people listening can really just reach out to you in whatever way they want to help, whether it's with the remodel or donations or yes. gifts or whatever. Yeah, yeah labor, oh, time, so cool. and money. And
3: this year, this last year, we actually got an attorney and turned the nonprofit into a legitimate company, a five hundred one c three. So nice. now we are able to give receipts, which makes their donation, uh, tax deductible. Oh yeah. So we're hoping to do wonderful things moving forward. But, um, we have a website called christmasforcancerfamilies.org. If you go to that website, um, there's a place where you can click get involved or how to get involved. And then you can click on, I want to donate or I want to volunteer, or I want to nominate a family and we just have to look over the nominations that we get. And if you know of a family, please reach out to us and let us know if you know of a family that needs. And, it, you know, some some years we may not have a whole home makeover. It might just be like a cosmetic makeover or it might be we've done new furniture before. Or we've done a new roof before. Or we've done a microwave and a cabinet before. So it's just different every year. We, we kind of just try to get the, the needs met of the families right yeah it's awesome I
0: still remember last year like she'd be teaching a class and her phone would ring and you'd be like hold on I have to get this is for the house you know because they're all the contractors there okay wait a minute I'll be there you know you're like teaching (laughs) a class but knowing like you're like okay gotta do this and that it was just awesome it was just a it's it's a cool thing to be a part of it was really yeah we got to meet Levi and a bunch of the women from your classes I'm like oh I know you I've seen you at this class and that class and
3: and just people that
0: I yeah all ages like really old yeah I remember this older man coming and I'm like is he gonna hurt himself but he was like <laughs> so helpful and so like ready to just yeah, yeah. and it was work. especially
3: cool the first and second year because of you know with all the COVID and everything like people were just scattered and isolated and I think they were just so and there's just been so much divisiveness in the world that I think having something that brought all walks of life together and it didn't matter because they, people want to be involved in a good cause. They want to belong somewhere. And this is somewhere that everyone can belong. And
2: most everyone knows someone that cancer is affected. So they can also feel like they're helping. It can become personal for a lot of people, you know, like I know my grandma passed away from cancer. And so even though, I mean, it's on a different level than what you faced, obviously, but it, it means something to me, you know what I sure. mean? So I feel like that's really cool that people can feel like they're giving back to another family that's been affected.
0: Right. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. just so many ways, like if you don't have the money, then you can use your, right. just your time or yeah. your, yeah. if you have abilities or talents or yes, yeah. different ways. And
3: I, I, we specifically wanted to call it um, Christmas for cancer families mm. because Riley really taught us, you know, tons and tons of people do things for the person with cancer and it used to really start to annoy Riley. He would get very frustrated because so many people would bring him things and he watched his little brother and his family like and so he would just give stuff to his little brother. And and so and as like the mom, it took me until after Riley passed away to realize that Levi felt like he had been invisible for those seven years. And Mallory felt like she had just been forgotten. Mm. And it has taken us, I mean, it's we're two and a half years out, and we're still working on rebuilding our family because it's like a bomb went off and it shatters the family. And so, you know, I think a lot of times our natural tendency is to be focused on oh that poor you know, child with cancer, and we tend to want to take them a gift or a treat, but it really is something. You know, as with anything, affects the whole family, and so. Mm.
0: Uh, I actually remember when my son he had a really big seizure when we lived in California and had to be life to the children's hospital there, and I remember a family brought over gifts for all my kids, and I yeah. I just remember thinking, wow, like because it was very traumatic for all of us. We were there when it happened, you know, seizing mm-hmm. and the. Paramedic, Committee's he's life-lighted. I mean, my poor little kids, because they were younger than him, he's my oldest, and I just remember thinking, oh, I've got to remember that. Like, mm-hmm. it meant so much for my little, my younger kids, because it was, yeah, I was happy to Peyton, and of course people are doing nice things for him, yeah. but the siblings, it also affects them, and they are, you know, the, you know, just the trauma of it, or being scared and nervous, and not knowing how he's doing that, these, you know, I thought that was yeah. such a yeah. thoughtful thing to do, so.
3: Yeah, and there was an awesome family named the Whitemans, who actually, I didn't know, but they knew of of us from our social media that approached us and told us that they wanted to send our family on a vacation and so they actually sent our family to Hawaii and it was like Hmm. it was a cool story too like I had we'd spent all of our savings on treatments and things and 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 our boy Levi was going to go on his mission and Riley we knew wouldn't live beyond when Levi was coming home so we wanted to go on a family vacation, and I had actually knelt down and prayed, and asked God, please help me figure out a way to take my family, and then this total stranger walked up to me at a restaurant, and said, I know you don't know me, but we want to sponsor a vacation for your family, and they sent us to Hawaii, and I mean, just seeing what that did for my family, and feeling so much gratitude, I just knew that, I don't know, I just, this is something I'm just so passionate about, and it's it's a way um, for us to keep Riley's memory alive, and it's during that, while we're doing this stuff, and during that time of year, that we feel Riley with us the most, and so we, our family really doesn't do a lot for Christmas for each other and stuff, but we genuinely look forward to, to Christmas Eve because now our tradition has has become loading up the car with gifts and going and setting out Christmas for someone, whether it's up at Bear Lake at our cabin or, you know, it's different every year. I don't have, like I said, protocol (laughs) and stuff, but we've, you know, we, I have to put different people in charge of different families. So for instance, one of the families that was delivering Christmas last year, the husband dressed up like Santa and they took the Christmas in and and delivered it as if it were Santa and Mrs. Claus. Oh, that's awesome! And then another family, I let them choose what they want to do, and they left it on the doorbell and rang. And and so each each uh, family is done differently and uniquely. And and we encourage people to be as involved as much or as little as as they want to be. And I just I love it, and I'm I'm grateful. I, I feel like it just happened. I don't feel like it was a lot of work. And Well, I think you're being very um, humble because it sounds like a lot
2: of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've done a lot, but it's amazing all you've done. It really is. Oh, thank you. I right, and then
0: so just cool. the, like, yeah, the talents that you already had to yeah. be able to do it, and then all these people that just kind of filled in the gaps. Like, it's super Yeah. awesome. Yeah.
3: I couldn't do it with... I, I mean, I couldn't... I don't feel like I do the hard work. I feel like I do the fun work. Like, I feel like I get to witness all of God's hand, like an inspiration. And it's such a, it's just a gift for right.
0: me. It's hmm. awesome. Is the video of the Miller family is out on the website?
3: Yeah, As there's actually videos the, of the years. two videos for the two years that we did. The home makeovers are on the website. And then there's, I only have last year's families on there. I have pictures and then like descriptions of the families. And then we have a page where it shows the people that we've helped who have passed away. And of course, Riley's on there. Um, and I do my very best to keep that website updated. And I want to go back and get all of the families on there because I think we've helped around 50 families now. Wow. That's awesome. And so I want all of them on there. But unfortunately, I hired a guy to do my website this year. And he he did a really great job of getting all of last year's stuff on there. But yeah, we've got a little bit of work to do. I oh, know. That's mm. awesome. Yeah, that was a cool video. Yeah,
2: that's so good. For sure. Awesome. Well... This has been so great, like hearing your whole story and it's yeah, so we feel inspirational. Honored
0: that you would yeah say yes and want to come share. We really it.
2: do, yeah.
3: Well I appreciate you guys. I'm having
2: excited me. for people to hear this and hopefully you'll get some increased um, people reaching out to you about how they can help and stuff. I'm already yeah. excited. I wanna be involved. So okay. yeah. we're gonna
3: talk. <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of times when we have a loved one that we lose, there's a battle inside, like part of me is like don't be happy don't be successful don't like be sad because you know riley's gone and but when i when i get in that it's okay to be in that state of mind for a while for me and to feel that but inevitably like riley's personality just was like i i'll just hear him be like mom knock it off like
0: (laughs) Right.
3: You know, what are you, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. And, and so like I, and, and Riley before he left, like he would, we would find him doing stuff for people. Like a little boy that had cancer came into his work and Riley didn't even know he had cancer, but he was, him and his little brother were being super obnoxious with the balls in in Nike. And he went up and he was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like messing with him and stuff. And this little boy had his shirt off or something, and he Riley could see he had a port access, and so Riley was like, "Hey, I have one of those," and so Riley you know took his shirt off and showed him, and they became buddies. This little kid was named Ricky, and the next thing I know, Riley's like taking him backpacks full of play Playstations and visiting him at the hospital, and our family went up and played video games with them and helped Levi my my boy helped them move, and and so I just feel like this is a way to take the most horrible experience of my life and pay tribute to my son while including all of my family members and just paying forward all that others did for us. And I just hope and pray with all of my heart that this will continue to go on and to grow and expand and i even think that eventually it may not just be cancer families because the word cancer really just means sickness you know anything Mm. can have and so i i really would like to just expand it to i have a nephew that died of an accidental overdose and and that's a form of cancer you know yeah and so really i would like to just help any family that's struggling but Mm. that's beautiful that is
2: I was just thinking it's just such a good example of a beautiful shift. Like you were saying, you took, you know, the most horrible thing that could happen, but you've brought so much beauty into so many people's lives and, and like a literal way, you know, that your son, he was a giver. And so you're doing, you're, you're carrying that on. So I think it's so awesome. Thank you. Should we
0: ask our wrap up question? Yeah. Do you (laughs) want to do do that? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, this has been super awesome and we just appreciate just your time and your vulnerability and your story and and then just how you help people it's amazing um so how do you find beauty in life after going through this transition
3: Mm. um well to keep it real I will tell you that every day is not beautiful and there are lots of ugly days that probably others don't see I mean maybe from the outside people think my life looks like it's All fun and games, but um, I think it's, I think it boils down to a choice. I think it's a choice that we have to repeatedly make in our minds over and over again. And every time those feelings of doubt enter our minds and those feelings of why didn't you do that different. Or you could have changed that or you could have done more or if only I have to go through in my mind all that I've learned about the thing that comes to my mind is a boat like you look at the wake of a boat and you look back at that wake and there is literally n- no way to change that wake all I can do is look forward and steer that boat to whatever direction I want it to go and I don't feel like I feel like we were put on this earth to totally screw up I feel like we were here to I don't mean this in a bad way but I feel like we were here to hurt people I feel like we were here put here to be hurt because how else would we learn to forgive And to love unconditionally and to serve, and all of the emotions that we get to feel in these human bodies, there's no way we could learn them without going through those experiences. And I don't necessarily think that there's a right choice and a wrong choice. I think God simply put us here to choose and to learn from whatever choice we made. And then, um, and so it's it's a process of learning to make the hard, the hard choice over, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit, and, and it's, it's an indulgence to allow our minds to replay the hurt and the trauma and the past And even though it seems like the obvious choice to not choose to feel that, we know that. It's the familiar. It's the harder choice is to choose the unfamiliar and the unknown. And so I think a lot of times, you know, there's people that don't consider themselves an addict and they don't consider themselves to be overly indulgent. But I think it's a choice of overindulgence when we allow ourselves to constantly think poorly about ourselves. I think it's a choice to choose higher energy vibrations and brighter light. And for me, gosh, it's been a long, long long process, but uh, one of the valuable lessons I've learned is that self-discipline is actually an act of self-love and it takes self-love and self-discipline to choose out of self-loathing. And so I just feel strongly that that's what Riley would want for us, for me to do, for his family to do. And so I feel like that's for me the way that I can find beauty through all of the the tough life experiences that that I've had is to just maybe slow down a little bit. And look at life one choice at a time.
1: Hmm.
3: That's
2: so good. (laughs) Thank you so much. really appreciate your time. That was amazing. Um, All right. We want to make sure to direct people to how they can find you and your organization. So you can go online at christmasforcancerfamilies.org. And you can actually, you said there's like a button where you can just click to
3: Yeah, get involved. Yes, to get involved. It will give you some options of ways that you can get involved or or ways you can, however you want to be involved, whether you want to donate or serve or nominate a family. Right, okay, perfect.
2: And then for those, I know sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm driving or doing whatever, so I might not have time to jot it down. So if it's easier, you can go to our Instagram page or our Facebook page, and we will link directly to Jackie's episode, which will have her... um, link to her instagram account and also her instagram account for um christmas for cancer families they're on instagram or on facebook we'll do the same we'll link to her facebook and directly to the website so you can find her there and yeah we hope we hope you get some
0: yeah yeah we hope this will
2: Thanks, yeah. Guys. Help Get, spread the word and yeah. help you with your amazing work.
0: So you
3: guys are doing a wonderful thing. So thank you for awesome. having me. Oh, thanks.
0: Yeah, it's been fun. Lots of it's awesome really people fun. in this world for sure. I
3: know. I'm so grateful we got to talk to you. Thank you. Okay.
2: Likewise.
0: Thanks, thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing show. more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram oh, at beautiful yeah. Shifts Podcast where we will post updates with our latest interviews.
1: We'd like to thank the the
0: band We the Lion for
2: giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy.
1: I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are my again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones
3: All I want is to
1: believe Life is my own life Again, my mind is free now. I can feel the truth in me. I'll take a chance; I won't be wrong. It? now it's time to move along. Now it's time to move along. Take this journey as my own. I feel the strength that.